I just put a question out to you. Would you stay or would you go, uh, depending on what the green list uh, say tomorrow or the safe countries? Um, what's your opinion? And uh, the possibility of getting shamed even um, by going to one of the green list com- uh, countries uh, as well. And uh, quite a response to that. Um, Gary uh, gets in touch on Twitter. He says, on the holidays issue, the government wishy-washy handling of it is a disgrace. Like many others, we booked and paid in full for our holidays way before COVID-19. We were due to fly to Malta at the end of August. We've already moved the accommodation to next year. But because of the government's decision to leave it up to the individual, while pressuring the people to do their duty, we're going to lose 1,500 on the flights. The government are leaving many people high and dry and dealing with airlines. And uh, my two cents on Twitter says, Mario, um, we've just come back from Italy to visit family. And the difference in attitude compared to Rome is striking. Self-isolating here in Limerick, but definitely get the feeling we're not very welcome. Rome, on the other hand, is more open. Not sure which is better, though. And uh, there's loads more coming in. I'm going to get to those in a minute. But uh, first of all, I'm delighted to be joined by popular columnist of the year to discuss this and other matters. Um, Especially, um, Larissa, the polarisation of this um, issue. This is one of those things that um, has kind of fermented in the last few weeks about staying or going. And you get the sense that it's turning into a kind of a a black and white, where do you stand and who does that make you kind of thing, isn't it? What camp are you in? You would have thought, yeah, sorry, Mario, go on. Mm, No, that's that's where I'm starting to get. You would have thought um, you would have thought that maybe coronavirus and the pandemic it would have united us all, and I think actually at one stage we were sort of hoping for something like that. Yes, uh, really, it has become another one of these um, these current issues that manages to become divisive uh, in ways sometimes that you kind of would have to sort of do kind of moral acrobatics uh, to reach uh, how people have come to you know how can people actually possibly find a way to fight about this thing? You, you hope surely the whole point of a pandemic shows us that if we, if we don't work together, uh, we're in trouble. But it is kind of something, actually, if you think about it, it has been uh, uh, divided and polarised from the very beginning. But it's just kind of evolved as it's gone on into different uh, phases of it. So do you remember at the start, we uh, sort of queue-shamed people. You'd see somebody in a big, long queue, and they'd say, oh, look at that going around. Shut down that place. There's a big queue. Look yeah. at those idiots, those COVID idiots queuing up. And then suddenly we're all queuing around blocks because that became the new normal. Then there was the um, the second holiday home shamers. You know, the, you know how, dare right. you, how dare you go to your second holiday? home. I don't have a second holiday home. I'm as jealous as the next person of somebody who does. Uh, but I'm not quite sure really what massive difference it would have made if I had removed myself from Dublin City Centre where I was uh, completely quarantined or whatever we were doing at the time on lockdown. And if I was doing it in, uh, in a cottage in Wexford, I can't really see what, what difference it would have made. But people liked doing that. There was pictures of you know queues going down the N11, which actually turned out to be people going home from work and being stopped, stopped in checkpoints. Yeah. So there's all this kind of thing going on. So at the moment then, we've moved it on a little bit, I suppose, to uh, you'd see pictures, you know, you know, you'd see, as I call them, sorry now to be disrespectful, but as I call them, the COVID citizen police who turn up with their camera phones and d- dying to find somebody uh, standing closer than two metres. So you have yep. all those pictures of people in town and, and stuff like that. Oh, look at everybody. Uh, is, everybody is uh, cute. Everybody is partying in pubs in Dame Lane and Stevens Green. And that kind of uh, sort of attitude. There's, so a, moved there's, a bit travel, of self, there's a bit of self-censorship going on, isn't there? And that's kind of worrying to see. I mean, the bringing children to the supermarket was another one that used to be oh, yeah. outed, as, outed as well. Yeah. So that's it's right. the, Yeah, so it's the kind of this polarisation. You're, you're sort of falling into one of two camps, which I don't want to be part of any camp, yeah. to be honest with you. And that is, I'm a patriot. I'm staying at home. I'm supporting my economy. And I'm keeping everybody safe. By, yes. by somehow, I, what am I doing though? Am, am, am I going on holiday? Yes, I'll go on a staycation and I, I might go somewhere where a lot of other, let's say, people from, let's say, Dublin um, are, you know, thronging to. 
and um, that's okay. But uh, as I said in my monologue at the beginning, you know, um, I know of a person and uh, he's in his 60s and he's bringing his eight family members um, to their, they have a lovely house in, in south, south of France. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be meeting anybody really but each other. Yes. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, how can you say that one is worse than the other? This is, a, this is the thing, and really it's not about whether it is or not. I honestly think that a lot of this isn't really, for most people, isn't really coming from a place of compassion. It's kind of coming uh, from a, a, a stance, and it's, will my ideology beat your ideology sort of thing, right? For quite a lot of people. I'm not saying, by the way, I, I believe most of us are in the middle, for, for what you're saying. Uh, most of us are what, what's called, what I think sociologists call the exhausted middle. It's about 80% of us who are... <laughs> the exhausted know, middle. Okay. The exhausted middle. Yeah. We understand that there's grey areas. We understand there's nuance. But I suppose when I say the people who you, we're seeing playing this out a lot of the time on social media, they're in the 10% of either side. Uh, they, you know, the, are you a balls-out pro-freedomer uh, who's putting everybody else's lives at risk? Or are you dictating to me uh, to keep a hold of nurse and you must live under my moral code? You know, so those two sides, I think they're the two extremes. I, I honestly do believe most of us are, are, the, are the people in the middle saying, yeah. oh, for God's sake, well, aren't we all just doing our best and being as responsible as possible? Yeah, well, you just mentioned a very important word there, responsible. And I think, mm. again, that whole expression, personal responsibility, seems yes. to have been forgotten. And, and again, that's an ideological thing. Because, yes. you know, the whole idea of personal responsibility is taking responsibility for your own actions and not relying on other people to decide uh, those uh, actions for you. In other words, you use your own noggin to do the right thing and the and to, to do your best. I mean, there are a few people now getting in touch and, I'm, and I think it's worth pointing out. Um, and they are emphasising, Mario, this is not about holidays, etc. It's about travel. Now, that's fair enough, right? But I would you know, possibly counter with that, that one of the things that has been highlighted by, m- you know, many people is that the, you know, for example, travelling isn't as dangerous as it's made out to be because uh, of the air circulation on aircraft is meant to be like that of an operating theatre. Um, and that many of the flights wouldn't even be remotely packed, etc. So I'm not quite sure, and I'm and to be honest with you, I'm just being devil's advocate here, but I haven't heard, for example, there was uh, apparently 40-something thousand people uh, travelled out a few weeks ago, and I haven't heard of any um, massive outbreak of, of cases relating to airline travel. Um, no, and actually no. you're right there because there's a piece in one of the papers today, Jack Lambert, the immunologist, is talking about that. They're not emerging from... Uh, from from international travel so far anyway but it seems to be it's kind of community transmission they're trying to get to the bottom of what it is I would suggest it's probably more likely to be people who can't go to pubs going to each other's houses Uh, it it seems to be that but I think it's yet to be determined what it is Mm. Um, Now earlier on in the the whole COVID thing as well um, Larissa there were other elements of of, uh, which camp do you fall into and the one that struck me most uh, around the world starting in America was the whole face mask thing because it started off with it started off with most of the medical authorities saying that face masks won't make a difference. Then um, they say well, now we have new evidence that suggests that face masks do make a difference. But in the interim, you had people falling into two camps. I'm a, um, a face mask wearer, let's say, and this was communicated as being weak and lily livered and being, a, for want of a better use, a bitch. 
<laughs> and then, and then um, the person who didn't wear the face mask was the Patriot. I'm strong and I ain't listening to the man. I'll make my own decisions. <laughs> I think it did turn into that in America, which really is, uh, really proves that they would actually fight over two flies uh, going up a wall over there at, at this stage. Um, I think what happened was Trump, of course, made it an issue. Have, 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 I, have I spoke about this before, but what's going on in America a lot of the time is this, um, this uh, phenomenon, I suppose, called uh, mutual provocation and reciprocal outrage. So one side says something, the other side goes crazy, then they pass it all around the place. And I, I think that the face masks is certainly one of the issues that, that, uh, that, that maybe falls into that category. Trump came out, was essentially saying, you know, by all his actions and behaviours and, uh, and so on, that, um, uh, you know, anyone, anyone who wears uh, a mask, you know, just, you need to book up and just get on with it. Um, so it became this thing, actually, and it was very, it, it, we didn't import it here, thank God. Because I understand there were people hounded out of supermarkets by that kind of, uh, that, that horrible uh, side of the left, the sort of Chinese cultural revolution struggle session people who kind of point and shame at others and, and, and push them out of, of supermarkets. But then you have the other Egypts, you know, coming into supermarkets going, I won't wear my mask, you know, you're not going to get me down. So it did turn into, this bizarrely turned into an actual thing in America. I, I don't know where, where you fall on it, right? But I think that there's, again... The 80% exhausted middle is where I fall in here again. I just think, like, I wear a little um, kind of a, a scarfy thing that you pull up on your, on your nose and your mouth whenever you're going in where, there's somebody, where social distancing is, is impossible. For me, um, I would say that that actually brings you freedom. Um, and you're kind of counterproductive if you think that, uh, that not wearing a mask is, is a sign of freedom. Again, I do think there's, there's some sort of middle ground there. Mm. I don't, I don't stand, I don't have a particular stance on it, but I do have a feeling about it, and, um, and I'll explain to you what that was. I mean, when it started, because the, um, because the messaging on it was so cluttered and confused, mm. it kind of was left up to you whether to, make, uh, to wear a face mask or not. And I yes. remember when I first put a face mask on, and I didn't, it didn't feel good, and I don't mean that physically. It, emotionally, I, I don't know, it triggered something in me that just felt wrong. And I know that's... I think yeah. I think that's wrong of me even to to uh, have felt that, and I don't mean I'm censoring myself. I mean it. I just felt a little bit off wearing it. But then when they said, "Listen, you really have to wear them on the Lewis and public transport and everything," I felt really much better about it. Um, ah. I, and that was because I felt that I was performing a uh, uh, you know public good by doing that. Um, yeah. And so now I don't think about that anymore. Um, yeah. It's a very unusual thing to wear a face mask for all for so many reasons. I mean, it it completely curtails communication with somebody. It's 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 very odd. It's very it blocks you from other people. It's in many cases very uncomfortable. Um, and for me, it just felt a bit strange, and I didn't like it. Um, but um, I, yeah, got, well, I, I got I got used to right. it. I, mm. I got used to it, and now I'm happy to do it, especially when I'm told that it's mandatory. But I think that was very important to say that it was mandatory on, on public yeah, transport. Yeah, and I suppose listen, that's, this is what it's coming back to in America and why it, it came into be, being a sort of polarised issue was that there was some sort of feel of authoritarianism. You know, if we, have to, if we have to be told to cover up our faces as we're leaving our houses, you know, I suppose. So some people felt that. And probably on a psychological level, maybe that's where you were getting the discomfort feeling. I think possibly it could be as simple as this with me that I just circumvented that by making it a fashion item. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, it was more about fashion. I was like, great, this is a new accessory that I can 
kind of work around, you know, I think people who are interested in, who are interested with, you know, mostly women, women probably, uh, you saw Amber Heard, I don't know if you, one yeah. of my favourite things that Amber Heard coming in and out of the, the court case last week was this beautiful red scarf that she keeps wearing over yeah. her face. So yeah, I think there's, there, there are the people who've taken it as a, as a fashion item and that kind of cuts out the idea that it's sort of a, um, an anti-civil liberties um, thing to have to do. But it certainly did become a, a, become a, a debate in people's yeah. minds. Uh, Larissa, I wanted to uh, change tack with you just very slightly. Um, we're kind of skirting around the edges of this uh, so-called shame culture mm. and people getting cancelled. And uh, like, I make a prediction with you that I think that this summer at some stage you're going to see videos, if you haven't already, circulating of uh, people just being outed on Twitter for holidaying in Portugal or whatever and you'll see videos of people and, and all this sort of stuff. I don't know if you have already. But mm-hmm. I do predict that that's going to happen and I think that's you know it's going to be sad when it does happen. Um, so this cancelled culture, one of the things that happened earlier on this week was a lady in the New York Times, a, a journalist mm-hmm. um, called Barry Weiss, um, was, resigned yes. um, because she felt that the uh, atmosphere in the newspaper, the New York Times, which is a famously liberal newspaper, a liberal yes. beacon to the world, was becoming, the atmosphere in there, the culture was becoming oppressive and the need to say the right thing and always seem to be seen to be on side was becoming too much for her and now she's out yeah um what do you think of this well, I've been following Barry Weiss for some time, and I think uh, uh, both yourself and myself, and maybe a lot of listeners are we- as well, are fans of Bill Maher, mm. uh, the American, Irish-American uh, comedian and yes. talk show host. But he is, he's, he's a fan of hers. He's had her on a lot. And actually, uh, if I may be so bold, right, this is, it's going to sound a little bit possibly like I'm, I'm complimenting myself, but I would find myself in my work that I do, uh, and in my maybe philosophy and thinking, would would find myself very very similar to Barry White. Yeah, she, no, she, I agree. She'd be the person that I would maybe relate to most, uh, kind of professionally. Oh and right. What what I have um, what I've been what I've kind of found about her is I've been amazed that she stayed in the New York Times so long. So you know, I, I read all the new international newspapers. Uh, I used to read the New York Times, even though it was always horribly clunkily written. I still read it anyway. Uh, it used to be liberal, as you were saying, but uh, we know that the definition of liberal is being willing to accept opinions and behaviours that are different to your own. So it certainly is the opposite. It's illiberal at this stage, um, in, in my view as a reader. I tend to read the New York Post now, which in comparison to the New York Times is actually hugely liberal when you read the opinion section. If you want to read all the one ideology that's kind of a brainwashed, no other side way of thinking, and actually get, uh, as Donald himself would call it, a fake news Unfortunately, he's actually right about the New York Times. That's what you're getting at the moment. I've been amazed that Barry Weiss has stayed for so long. I I presume she must have been doing it as a point of principle because um, what she's saying here, and I think the essence of her letter is not so much how she was treated and she was uh, ostracized and isolated and and, uh, an attempt was made to make her doubt herself, but any critical thinker or independent thinker, no matter what you do to that person, they'll continue to think independently, and, and she has done. But she, in her letter that she, she, she eventually, I'd say, said, this isn't worth my while, I'm not getting anywhere with this. And I think the, the key uh, sentence in it, she said, Twitter is not on the masthead of the New York Times, but Twitter has become its ultimate editor. And I think that's really, as a journalist, that would be what got Barry Weiss in relation to what's happening there. I mean, there's a, there's a, there was a, I, I was looking last week for something in the New York Times in relation to council culture, and I found the most watery, pandering, ingratiating uh, description or definition, inverted commas, of council culture, where they decided it as, when you say something bad, 
and the people around you, including your employer, uh, don't like you very much for it. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. That is, you know, I get, oh, sorry, get annoyed with you about it. That's, that's not the definition of cancel culture. The definition of cancel culture is, as I was explaining earlier on, it's very similar to what happened in the 60s in the Chinese Cultural Revolution. You have the, 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 then you had people with boards around their neck, dunces caps on their head, being walked through the street and shamed and shouted at until they got down on their knees and begged forgiveness for crimes that they hadn't even committed, imaginary ones. That's what cancel culture is. It ruins lives, it it shuts down uh, conversation, it uh, destroys freedom of speech and freedom of thought, all those kind of things. It's it's not that. So you can imagine, even reading that in the New York Times, it was annoying me. So I can understand how, how Barry Weiss just said, I've had enough of this. I mean, this is a paper that is changing its headlines because it, uh, Twitter piles on to say it wasn't, a headline wasn't sufficiently anti-Trump enough, so you must change it. But what, I, what I'm wondering is if, if you have that big group in the middle, that's, um, that group, by the way, was sociologically defined by a, um, a survey called More in Common. It's worth, it's worth looking it up. Mm. The vast majority of people, as we were saying, are in the middle. The people who, by the way, push this uh, extreme radical ideological left position, it's only 8% of people. The rest of people are thoroughly sick of it. Uh, the, the, the other 92% in, in various guises are thoroughly sick of it. But this 8%, by the way, are more likely to earn six figures, uh, are mostly highly educated. They've gone through university uh, degrees up their wazoo, and they come out the other side, uh, you know, as these kind of extremists who are very wealthy, uh, they're usually white, and they're, they're always highly educated. So this little small cohort really has decided that we know better and we are morally and, and, and intellectually superior to the rest of you and we will tell you all exactly how to think. And I think that that's what Barry Weiss is fighting against and she said to herself, I can do better than this. I don't, if I'm, probably if I'm part of it, I'm kind of somehow contributing to it. And I, I think that when she gets out there, I can only imagine the freedom that she will feel. Like for a young woman like that, I think she's only in her mid to late 30s. For a young woman to feel like that in 2020... In, in a supposedly progressive society, yeah. it's, it's an awful shame. And I, I just, I really wish her well, and I hope that we see more of her internationally. Yeah, I mean, Larissa, the, one of the things that came out of that, we're going to wrap it up now, but one of the things that came out of that, when Donald Trump is right, I think we've got a, we've got a serious issue on our hands. And, and, <laughs> and I, fall on, I fall on that side of it. And that's, a lot of people feel that that's what people were voting for in 2016. Well, as well. It, but at the same time, with, under the mutual provocation and reciprocal outrage uh, theory, he's certainly uh, contributing to that. And I think it all kicked off in 2016. We had the era of victimhood had just come in, uh, so people were jumping in on that, the mm. rewarding of victimhood. But I think Trump's election was a massive tantrum that led to mass hysteria in, in America, and it has, it has spread over here. The left has gone mad, which is a pity, because they're supposedly the ones who stand up for all these yeah. uh, human rights. Yeah. And it's a pity they're not. But I'm with you on that. Uh, I think on, on this particular issue, yeah. uh, Donald Trump is actually on the, on the side of right here. You've kind of answered my question a little bit, but I'd like to discuss it with you some other time, and that is, um, Jer- let's say there's a Jerry in Athlone, and Jerry in Athlone comes out with the old, you know, clanger. Sure, Jesus, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> right? Now, 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 people go, he's, everything's gone too politically correct, Jerry will say. Now, I don't like the expression politically correct because I believe political correctness is actually, in theory, a good thing. It's about kindness, it's about being decent to people and doing the right thing. It but was, it's, been, yes. it's been hijacked to mean mm. something else. Mm. Um, but, Jerry, let's say, gets cancelled or fired from his job for saying something or doing something uh, that maybe he made a mistake or something. And I'd like to know where that came from. What are the roots? What are the roots of that? I mean, and you alluded to that by saying it's actually only 8% of people. But I'd like to discuss that maybe sometime uh, further for you, with you. The actual roots, the very roots of where this all We will, all came and I'll from. give you a clue. It's academia. 
we'll take we'll take it from there the next so time. I've heard so <laughs> I've heard but we could discuss that a bit a bit more um, Larissa listen thanks a million for your time and thanks a million um, uh, for sharing those opinions with us thanks uh, for having me on Mario no problem Mario Sunday Roast on Today FM with Mario Rosenstock